How many of you remember after such a long, long break what we talked about last time? There's part two of that, by the way, and next week I'll give you David back, so enjoy the last part of part two, <laughs> for now, for now, because the topic still is going to be about tikkun, and that topic never really ends. <laughs> so what do you remember from last time? Let's warm up a little bit. What? Satan. Okay. Juicy, juicy Satan. How many of you became more aware and noticed more the, or to differentiate between the true voice, the voice of your soul, or at least, if you don't that, not that, the voice of your Satan? Who of you became more aware of that? Okay. All right. The rest is completely unaware. Okay. <laughs> also you. Okay. And did you start notice what he or she is telling you? <laughs> what are the phrases they've been using? It's just too important to notice it. So everything that we're learning, taking it in once a week, this is really just the beginning. The idea is to take it into practice throughout the entire week, right? So if you're learning a concept, your laboratory is really the week to explore these ideas and concepts. That's why it helps, by the way, if you're staying in touch with your mentors. I know sometimes they're checking up on you. You know, it helps if you, if you respond, if we're like, it's, you're not doing them a favor. You're doing yourself a favor by, by really taking in the concept and, and integrating them. Because truly, every teacher's desire here is not just to stand up here and teach. Our, our desire is, yes, to spread the light and wisdom of Kabbalah to the masses, but also that people really... Um, change from that, and their life starts to improve for the better. So what else do you remember from last week, besides Satan? Beautiful Satan. What else have we learned? Uh, don't know. Tell us. <laughs> remember the, the workshop? What was the, the three elements of the workshop that we showed here on the slide? I'll treat you like my kids. Yes, trigger, yes. <laughs> re, re, re. Reactive behavior, very good. And the t t t tikkun, beautiful, right? Um, that was interesting, right? Did it give you deeper insight of the difference between reactivity and tikkun? Yeah. What is the difference between reactivity and tikkun? Is the reactive behavior the cause or the effect? The effect, right? So what is the cause? The tikkun is the cause. That's right. So many of the things that we see right, are just sort of like the outer layer or the symptoms of something deeper that's going on. Sometimes if you see a person outrageous and very angry, what are they actually hiding inside, possibly? What? Insecurity. Insecurity. Possible. What else could be possible? Hmm? Wounding. Wounding. Hurt. Sadness. Yeah. Fear. Absolutely. So, always, so, even within us, whatever the outer layer is, <clears throat> there's something deeper underneath it. And that's part of what we would like to get a little bit more deeper into tonight, but also more specific with many, many examples so we can really understand, hone on to that. What is the real 
tikkun. What is the real tikkun? <clears throat> so, before we get started on the tikkun part, to frame the idea of tikkun, in which aspect we would like to tackle it tonight. So, there are actually different levels to tikkun. And here we have it mapped out. So, we said in the beginning, we said the tikkun is that life lesson that our soul chose before coming to this world. So, tikkun is on a soul level, even before we come to this world. But then it manifests itself in many different ways and stages. One way is, and we will learn more about it in Kabbalah 2, more so in Kabbalah 3, about the journey of the soul, reincarnation, previous lifetimes. It's very important. Rabbi Zekluria Dari says that if a person doesn't have an idea, an inkling of what they had or were in a previous lifetime, it will be very difficult for them to do their tikkun in this lifetime. But what does it mean? So do I have to know? Do I need to get, go to a psychic to tell me, you know, you were the, the prince of England and you were Elvis Presley or whatever? No, we don't need to know the specific. We already know, we already have an inkling from what our previous lifetime was. What, what is it? All the repetitive patterns that we have going on in this lifetime. They didn't start from this lifetime, most of them. So past lifetimes is part of the way to get an idea. By the way, to do a Kabbalistic astro astrological chart with one of our astrologers, or if you read the book Kabbalistic Astrology, you can also get hints through previous lifetimes on what is your tikkun in this lifetime. So this is one way to find out. Another way, which is my passion, what I specialize in as well, is through family dynamics and generational ancestral. Again, we won't dive into it. It's not the purpose of tonight. But anyone is interested in exploring that, that's what tikkun healing sessions are there for that we're offering. And I'm doing it one-on-one. -on -one. I'm doing it through workshops. Um, so this requires deeper work, mostly one-on-one, -on -one, to go into that discovery of tikkun, exploring tikkun through family dynamics, ancestral level. The one that we will focus on today <clears throat> are... Events, emotions, and beliefs. So there are certain events that are happening to us in this lifetime that are triggering certain emotions. And from these emotions, these emotions carry also certain beliefs. Call them limiting beliefs. And they can give us a very good and... Um, very good insight into what is actually my tikkun around it. Okay, so we can also address tikkun from that angle and get to our tikkun. All, all of these ways are ways to identify my tikkun. Lastly, we said here in the last part on the slide, identity. What does it mean? That if we're not dealing with our tikkun, we will have a distorted perception of our identity. When we're not dealing with our tikkun, which is the biggest tikkun that we have, is in essence to understand who we are, to understand what is my essence, to filter out and to sift through and to separate between our false identity, different parts that we have, limiting beliefs, voices of the opponent that we took as our own, and actually sift through that and see what is not mine and what is my true essence? What is my true identity? Okay. 
So going through the tikkun process is one of the most liberating uh, gifts that this journey offers us is to truly be connected to who we are. If you ask me, there is no bigger gift that I can think of, no greater freedom than truly knowing who we are and operating from that space in this world, wherever we go, whoever we're interacting with. You guys following me? Yeah. So, who is ready to dive in deep into the next slide and chart? Okay. Don't raise your hand before you know what you all show you. <clears throat> so, I want to give this one with a little warning. <clears throat> At the first glance, it might look very confusing and overwhelming. I want to give you 10 seconds to just look at it and take it in. And then we will go one by one and we'll explain each one. Then we'll go into different examples and discussion at the table. Is that cool with you guys? Yes? Okay. So here it is. And for those of you listening to the recording, I highly recommend to uh, open up the file, unless you're driving right now, but at some point open up the file because all the things that we will make reference to if you're listening to the recording will be useful for you to see this PowerPoint, this slide, and have it in front of you. So what we see here, it's sort of like an onion. Right? Remember we said tikkun is like an onion? One of the mentors told me it's, I stole this line from Shrek. <laughs> Tikkun is like an onion, and this is more or less what this onion looks like. So <clears throat> let's go over it one by one. You have the innermost part, which what do we see in the innermost part? This is our soul. This is our soul. This is our true identity. This is the spark that we have inside of us, each and every one of us. That through these layers and through the tikkun process, our purpose is actually to be more and more aligned with who we actually are. Now, what is that soul? According to the Kabbalah, it's very simple. It's a divine spark of the Creator. That is our true essence. And by the way, regardless of what we have done and it could have been the worst thing in a previous lifetime, the worst thing that you can think of. What do you think Kabbalistically? Do we ever touch or damage any part of the actual soul? Does it change? No. The worst thing that can happen, more layers are being added on it. But nothing actually happens to the soul. The soul will, is, was, is, and always will be a divine spark of the Creator inside of us that has all the answers, all the fulfillment that we're looking for, nothing that we need is outside. It's all in here. But the process is to go inward, is to make a connection because there are many, many layers, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how we look at it, between us and our soul. That's the only thing that is blocking us from the light of the Creator. If we're saying the light of the Creator is everywhere, where is it on this chart? In the soul, right? I mean, all the light that we need is right there. So what's blocking it? It's only going through this process of peeling off this layer. So let's look at the first layer. First layer, the orange that you see there. 
that's, the actual, that's actually what we call tikkun. The root cause. And we'll go one by one. So I'll just for the recording, I'll, 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 I'll read it out loud, some of them. So the tikkun is lack, fear, shame, feeling unsafe, helpless, unloved, disappointed, lonely, sadness, worthless, I'm not good enough. Okay, that's tikkun part. Second layer, you see the green one? Reactivity number one, we call it. We'll explain in a moment what's the difference between one and two. Under that category, we have procrastinating, being a perfectionist, jealousy, overachiever, people pleaser, shutting down, overthinking, fixer, inner critic, controlling others, etc., etc. The, second la- the third layer, so reactivity number two, we have under that addictions, Physical lust, porn, sex, alcohol, video games, shopping, overspending, suicidal temptation, uh, t- uh, tendencies, overexercising, eating disorder, binging, obsession, etc., etc. And all of that is encapsulated by what we call the universe, which operates on cause and effect, sending us reminders, red flags, alarm bells pushing and redirecting towards our soul, towards our tikkun, towards learning the lesson. And everything is a universal mirror. And it works in perfect order to redirect us to do our tikkun, to get closer to the light of our soul. Now, a few questions. Number one, in the tikkun part, If you look at it, these tendencies, emptiness, unsafe, shame, worthless, what do these things have in common? Feelings, what else? Lack, what else? It's all about us, okay, yeah. How do they differentiate, let's say, from reactivity one? which is the overthinking, overachieving, procrastinating, perfectionist, inner critic. Feeling versus action, okay. Any any other ideas? Cause versus effect, okay. What is kind of the quality? I'm looking for kind of the quality of these type of tikkuns. What would, they, what, would you, what would you call it? Negative. What? Negative. Negative? We'll talk about that. What? Internal versus, Internal versus external. Okay. All true what you guys are saying. It's, it's difficult to, to get to, okay? So I don't assume, you know, everything that you said was correct. I want to kind of invite you to look at this tikkun part and think about, aren't all these parts sort of like more raw and vulnerable parts? You see that? Like the shame and the worthless and unsafe and helpless. Is it, is it easy for us to visit those places? How does it feel to us when these points are being touched? inside of us uncomfortable pain unbearable 
So what do you think most of the time this pain and unbearable feeling causing us to do when these parts are being touched? To protect them, exactly. Exactly. How do we protect them? Unconsciously, of course. This is reactivity number one. The reactive behavior actually has an unconscious function and purpose. Most of the time, it's there to protect me from those vulnerable parts. So I won't get too close to them. So let me give you, start giving examples here, okay? Practical examples. Maybe growing up, I had a very controlling father and emotionally unavailable mother. <clears throat> and every time I tried to seek for attention or seek for love, you know, I was dismissed, I wasn't seen, I wasn't heard. And maybe there was so much demanded for me. So every time I came with grades and I showed them all A's and there was one B, and instead of praising the A's, I said, why? That could have been an A. And so this feeling arises of feeling unloved and not feeling seen and not feeling worthy. And in an unconscious way, beliefs can be developed that in order to feel loved, in order to feel seen, I need to have straight A's. I need to, I need to be perfect. I need to achieve because only when, I, when I've seen that when I achieve, then I get the attention. When I'm perfect, then I've been accepted. So this is a, a program that can start to get installed. That is part, all part of the tikkun, by the way. It's not the parent's fault. It's not my fault. It's all part of the tikkun program. Perfectly designed. The problem is if we run our life unaware with this program, then what will this program do? It will go into protective reactive behavior, number one, and will start to become that perfectionist, driven by that inner critic, maybe even driven by control to achieve, to accomplish, to be perfect, so that to do, in order to have what? Love. Love. In order to be protected from what? Pain of what? Not feeling worthy. And so we want to notice two things. One, does it really work out in the long term? No, it doesn't work out, right? Because as long as a person doesn't find, gathers the courage to touch these vulnerable parts, which is the actual tikkun, they will all, always cover up. And this is what Satan wants a person to focus on. Satan tells a person, achieve, accomplish, do this, do that. Just don't deal with this uncomfortable part. You don't have to deal with that. Bury it under the ground. Don't talk about it. Don't express it. Don't, uh, you don't need that. You have a better way. Achieve, accomplish. Show others. Prove it to yourself. Work harder. And I'm just giving that as one example. There's so many ways in which protect this reactive system one works to try to protect us. Sometimes the feeling of helpless, it's a major tiku, helpless, feeling unself and helpless. 
So because I've never learned, and there are events associated to that. My childhood, I felt helpless, nobody took care of me, didn't feel safe, abusive, blah, blah. So now, growing up, I don't want to touch this part. I become a savior. I choose a profession that deals with saving others. All my friends I'll try to save. And I will attract all these people that have thousands of problems because I'm dedicated to be the Lord Savior himself and rescue everybody. And I'm on a rescue mission. And I go very strong, very hard to rescue the world with a cape on. Why would I do that? Because through that rescue mission, I'm trying to rescue a part inside of me that I feel was out of control and I didn't know how to rescue. So I'll try to rescue myself through others. Now, keep in mind that for every reactivity, there's also a benefit. And we'll talk about it in a moment. I want to just sprinkle it there. There are benefits to these at least to the reactive reactivity one. That's why it's so difficult to separate from it. Because Satan will tell the person, the inner critic will tell them, and the overachiever and the, the perfectionist will tell the voice of the opponent, the Satan will tell the person, look what we've created together. Look what, you built an empire. You think you could have done that by yourself? Satan is telling the soul. No. You couldn't have done that by yourself. You need me. You need me to criticize you, so to push you to want more and to create more. I am your force. I am your drive. You need me. And we say, yes, you're right. I need you. I need to be extremely harsh with myself because otherwise I'll become lazy and then I'm afraid I will become worthless again. I'll feel this worthlessness again. I don't want to be lazy, so I need to... Overachieve, overwork tirelessly, exhaust myself on expense of my health sometimes. But it has a purpose. It serves me somehow. Sometimes that reactivity gives me a drive. Sometimes this reactivity gives me a false sense of protection, of safety. It gives me something. And there are certain things that we can take with us and say, yes, beautiful. But why do we call them limiting beliefs? Because they're not bad or negative, but they're limiting. Because it's not the only way that I can get things done, is by listening to the inner critic. There are maybe some other ways. All right. Is that part clear? Any questions? Let's pause for a second. Any questions? No questions. Okay. All right. Safe to move forward? One question, okay. So would you say by like <clears throat> healing your tikkun is kind of inner child healing? Is that... A lot, a lot of it, yes. A lot of it, a lot of it. A lot of these things. Most of the time, yes. Yes. Most of the time they didn't start when I was in my 40s. You know? There are things that happened before. Yeah. And like I said, tikkun has many layers, right? So that's from this lifetime. Then there's another layer. You know, we're just covering one aspect, which is event, events, beliefs, and emotions from this, probably most of the time, childhood experience. There's ancestral tikkun that didn't start 
with my childhood that started even before, and there's tikkun from previous lifetimes, okay? And then there's even beyond that. But yes, what we're, from the level that we're tackling now, this is the part that we're looking at. So now let's move to reactivity number two, which is very interesting. What is the, the difference between one and two? Question. Yes. Um, by, by being self-aware, do you need to expose yourself to these things to kind of conquer them? Or where do you need to put yourself to kind of like guide yourself to get out of that? Like insecurity, I guess. That's the beauty of Kabbalah. That, and today, we're opening up this, <laughs> this box of, of, how do you call it? Beans or worms? <laughs> what is it? Can of worms. Can of worms. <laughs> uh, that was what I was looking for. We're opening it up. Okay? I'm aware that there's a lot to unpack here. Way more that we can cover in an hour. And we will get throughout Kabbalah 1 and 2 also more tools to deal with it. More tools to deal with it. For today and for now, mainly it's awareness and internal work. Because what happens, you see the outermost layer after reactivity number 2, the alarm bell, the push to redirect towards the self. That is the universe trying to redirect, trying to give us, learn the message but that message often comes in a harsher way. So you heard this expression, experience is the best teacher? I don't agree with that. A better teacher is to proactively search inside of me. That I won't need the experience or the person or that event to touch those, bring me back to these vulnerable parts. We have a choice in learning the lesson two ways, reactively or proactively. Reactively is when a person doesn't pay attention not interested in looking inside, so the world will need to remind them why they're here. I, it, I, it doesn't need to be perfect. None of us is. But if we have a sincere desire and openness, I want to do the real work. I want to go, I want to have a look inside of me. I want to be real with myself. Then the universe will support that too and will bring the message with a lot of mercy, with kind reminders with synchronicities that will lead to another realization and another epiphany about myself. And the change will happen in a merciful way, proactively because I initiated it. Versus chaos and people that to remind me to push the, the trigger that we talked about. We don't really, the universe is not interested in making our life miserable. You have zero interest to bother us. But if we don't look inside, then sometimes it's forced to. Does it make sense? Yeah. So what is the difference between reactivity one and reactivity two? What? Intensity, you said? Yeah. True. Intensity. So for the recording, right? So reactivity one, procrastinator, perfectionist, overachiever, people pleaser, overthinking, and in two, we have like the addiction, the physical lust, the porn, the alcohol. The... So it seems like there's greater intensity there. What else? Distract and escape. Although one might 
say that the other ones can also be an escape, right? But in some ways, it's more extreme, right? <coughs> what? Starts to? Goes out? I go south, okay. So yes, so the main difference between reactivity one and two is two is a little bit more extreme and most of it is less socially accepted. It, there's also probably less benefits, right? Whereby in reactivity one we said there's still something there that it's serving us, right? Like it can push us to do great things, it can push us to, you know, the rescuer and the savior, at least, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to do good for others, right? But, you know, if I'm just drinking one bottle after another, you know, who am I? it's only me that is numbing myself, right? So, <clears throat> a little bit more extreme, a little bit less socially accepted, um, but they're both protectors and they're both escape. In that sense, they're not different. In that sense, they're not different. Let's pass the mic over there. I was just going to say that the reactivity too seems more self-destructive and self-harming. Even though yeah. I, I mean, I see that like those other things are self-destructive as well in a certain way, but the other ones are more overtly self-destructive. Right, right, absolutely. Okay, now let's take this in for a moment and let's give it five minutes so you can. The reason when we break out to table discussion is because when we share it in our own words, it helps us in processing the information. So I want to give it plenty of time, especially for this, because there's a lot to take in. Take five minutes, and every person can share just 30 seconds to a minute of what they're taking away from it. Share it in your own words. Maybe you have already identified one of your tikkun in, in the ways that you're trying to escape from it through reactivity one or two. If you made a link, a connection to one of those, please also feel free if you're open enough with your table. By the way, the more we open we are, now we're getting more vulnerable and open, it's also an opportunity. The Zohar says that every time when we are sharing our gut, we're sharing uh, 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 th this negativity, which is really just part of the process, it's like we're taking out the trash, we're taking out the garbage. We receive support, divine support from above to help us to cleanse and be purified. So it's a very powerful spiritual exercise if you allow yourself to be open enough with your mentors and your peers. And that's why we come together in the community, not just to learn concept, but in the sharing, there's energy. Right? When someone opens up and it becomes vulnerable, it gives also permission for others to do the same. And it's a safe place here. So if you feel safe, you can explore that as well and share if you've seen a connection for yourself personally between the tikkun and reactivity one and two. So let's give it five minutes and share with your table. All right. Shh. Please listen and learn from your peers. Uh, my name is John. This is this is super helpful to see because I have been focusing so much on trying to like correct the reactive behavior rather than realizing that those were, you know, a byproduct. The, they, they were the effect of an underlying cause of the tacoon. And I never really put together that the tacoon is like fear or, you know, these you know these deep 
issues. Um, anytime you feel lack or loneliness or fear, that that's actually the tacoon. So this is this has been super helpful. I'm very interested to figure out because I've been trying to focus on the behaviors of fixing the reactive behaviors and not be reactive, but really getting to the deeper issue of resolving the tacoon. So thank you. Did you gain some inkling or an idea of what could be a relation between your tikkun and the reactive behavior? I think, I think yeah, the self-worth, like the lonely, loneliness, fear is definitely one. Um, fear of, which is interesting because I, I really, when you look at my life, there, there's a lot of things that I'm in fear of that I shouldn't be in fear of because I have abundance in certain areas, but I still have fear there, uh, which is interesting. And how would you describe the fear? What kind of fear? I think it's, um, you know, fear of not having enough or, you know, money is, is one, I think, that um, it can feel like it's never enough, like, or that I'm going to lose it or that I'm not going to be able to provide, or, you know, it's, um, but that is definitely one. And what is this more hidden unconscious fear forcing you to do? It's, I can feel like I have to work and, like, over produce and to like feel loved you know to like earn to earn love and to earn like self-worth or to earn being you know worthy mm -hmm. thank you so one of the tools that we can get with this self-awareness thank you for sharing is that we can actually talk to these to these different parts okay so we have that part of us that is that overachiever let's say you can even make it like a fun exercise. What I like to do with my different parts, I give them names. Okay? So I have a part, for instance, that is an overthinker. It's my reactivity. I overanalyze and overthink. And so I call that part growing up in Germany, I call him Klaus. <laughs> like, okay, okay, Klaus, I hear you. That's my Satan, wrapped as, clothed as Klaus. So, okay, I hear you. I hear you. All right. But I know th there's more to me than just you. Because you are just one part trying to protect me from, you know, a certain lack of emptiness. But, you know, there's more that I can trust. So just like being even playful with it, it doesn't have to be too serious. Because sometimes also what I notice in Kabbalah 1, then even more in Kabbalah 2, we, we take our spiritual work so serious that we become serious. And what do you think is that? Is serious, is it heavier or lighter? Is it more connected to our soul or less connected to our soul? Less. It's less because our soul is not heavy. It's the opposite of that. So sometimes there's a spiritual ego that kicks in that makes us look and feel like we're being very spiritual because we're taking our, ourselves so serious. And yes, we should take the work serious, but not to take ourselves too serious. Okay? So when you find yourself too frustrated or disappointed with yourself or with what is my tikkun, and you start to become obsessed, or like you feel you found it, but you're constantly failing, and you still haven't overcome it, just know that this is another part of Satan that wraps you up in the game of trying to be perfect, or trying to get it right, or trying to, whatever it wants through you to achieve. Okay? So like, relax. Make it playful. Make it fun. Okay? We always have that option too. Great. Thank you for sharing. Anyone else? So one thing we talked about at our table was if we look at the core of our tikkuns, um, it really is usually related to some kind of unworthiness. And the fact that we think we're unworthy 
is what allows us to do these reactive behaviors that are kind of more negative um, and are hurting yourself. And the reactivity, too, we kind of felt are more um, like coping mechanisms or instant gratification that helps kind of fill the void of the unworthiness and a way to kind of catch yourself is like, what am I doing to distract myself from what I don't want to be feeling? Right. Thank you. It's <laughs> a good summary. <laughs> yes. Okay, my question, I almost feel like a kid asking this. Because... Yes, you can go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Okay, my question is, because obviously this, we don't, we don't know how to do this, right? Is it something you could kind of lean on Hashem for and get guided through it, like pray about it? Or do you actually have to do all the tough work because that's part of what we're supposed to be doing? So glad you asked this. So glad you asked this. This is another... This is, this is another component that we want to integrate into our spiritual work. One is not to be... When we catch ourselves being too serious to to filter that. But the second one is absolutely. Another part of our Satan can make us focus on we have to do it all by ourselves. How many of you feel that at times in your spiritual work that you feel overwhelmed and you don't know what to do anymore? Right? You have found the reactivity, you have found the tikkun, but like you tried everything and, and you feel like overwhelmed by it. Absolutely. That is such an important point that cannot be stressed enough. And this is really... So important that is the overarching idea of everything that we're trying to do. Everything that we're teaching here, everything that we teach you at the end of the day is only one thing. Build your relationship with the Creator. Build a relationship with the Creator. Because part of this, why it's so overwhelming, which is good when we look at this and we see this child, it's like, oh my God, I have like 80% of that. Part of that is to get us to a place to understand that there's absolutely no possible way in the world that we can conquer this by ourselves. There's no way. And that's why change, if we don't consider change a complete miracle, then we don't understand the gravity of change. As long as we think I can change, then we don't understand what true change means. True change, truly working on the true transformation, real transformation, can only happen with the help of the light of the Creator. Only. And it's very interesting because yesterday I gave the same class and I sat with a, at the table with someone and that was the answer for them. They say, like, I feel like I'm trying so hard and I'm hitting the, hitting the, hitting the same wall over and over and tried everything. And you felt like this energy of frustration and disappointment and, and I told her something that the founder of the Kabbalah Center said when one of the students came to him asking the same thing. I've tried everything, nothing worked. Then. And he saw that excitement of Rav Ashlag's face and he said, that's amazing. I said, what do you mean that's amazing? I'm just telling you, I'm disappointed, I'm frustrated and I'm about to give up on my spiritual work entirely. And he said, beautiful. If you now ask the Creator for help, it will come from your innermost point and the Creator will listen and will create miracles for you. Because all the help that you asked for before, you still had a plan B. Yes, I need some help from the light, but you know, most of it I will do. 
and also with the help of the light. No. If we don't understand that what I do is just less than one, it's nothing. It's nothing. Compared to the transformation I need, I need a miracle. It means, and is it a problem for the light of the Creator? When the light comes in into the dark room, how long does it take for the darkness to disappear? Like that. It's a big part of consciousness in our spiritual work that we need to understand. That redemption of any sort, our personal redemption, internally any sort, comes in a, can come in the blink of an eye. But not with my smartness and logic and hard work. This is just one tiny part. Only with the assistance. So this is a constant uh, parallel consciousness with us while we're doing this spiritual work. We're not and cannot do it alone. Thank you. All right. Last question. Anybody? No more questions, Your Honor. <laughs> you sure? What kind of? Well, so once you identify it, what is the next step? Like you identified it, you see the reaction you want, not so much change. Well, then you come to me and we're going to have a talk. <laughs> we're going to work on that. We're going to unpack some deep things from your family, from your ancestors, from your past lives. <laughs> I think I'm going to pass the mic, actually. I'm like putting these people on the spot because they asked a really interesting question at the table. <laughs> we didn't really come up with a really strong answer for the question. So can I have them bring the question to you? Please. I always love when people I are volunteering others. I think your mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so I'm an artist, right? And I lose myself into my art making on a regular basis, and I probably am a little obsessed with it, but but <laughs> it feels like I am in touch with my soul when I'm doing that. So all of a sudden, I'm looking at this and thinking, you know, except for obsession, which I, you know, am I obsessed with making art because it's all I really want to do? Um, I am a part of life. I live a part of life. I mean, I'm a mother. I do everything for a lot of people, but but for me and for my, for I feel for my soul. I'm. I just want to make art. So yeah, and so I'm feeling yes, and so I'm, when I look at the tacoon, I'm not feeling any of those things. So am I? Where am I? <laughs> where am I on that? Where are I, you? You know, I mean, where am I? Am well, I, am we will, I? Tonight we won't try to force you feel any of those things okay. if you don't have them. I'm, I just, yeah. I mean, maybe there's another one that it's not up there and that I must be feeling. But Do you I'm, identify with any of, of this one. in the chart? Um, any well, fear? Any I, type of lack? No, I'm, I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm coming at the tail end of life, and so I'm not off the cliff yet, but, so I'm not afraid of anything. I'm, you know, I've experienced a lot, so I, I, you know, can't, I, I've had lack, I've had fear, I've had shame, I've had it all. Uh-huh. 
but I don't know that I've ever resolved, you know, where did those, where did so they go? So what are you doing and how are you serving with the lessons that you've got? How big and how strong and how wide are you radiating your light and your gifts and your talents? Well, how far does it reach? How far do you want it to reach? But, but isn't that more work? Isn't that more obsession? Isn't that more, I mean, all of a sudden I'm doing Instagram and I'm then, you know, and then I'm beefing up my website. It depends where you're coming from. If you're all doing it out of fear and insecurity and because you need that attention or you're doing it because you recognize the Creator has gifted you with amazing blessings and from a humble place you want to really expand. You want to really be that rock. You know, sometimes the, the tikkun is being too humble. Sometimes the tikkun is being too humble. Sometimes it's not taking the stage when the Creator really wants to give me the stage. And sometimes that is the fear because I'm playing the, the humble. Like, I don't want that much. I'm a good. I'm sometimes mediocre is the tikkun. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that you I'll You should add tonight. mediocrity to this slide now. We'll make adjustment to that. Okay. <laughs> What, did, what part did it touch inside of you? You had a realization. What was it? Oh, well, I, I guess feeling that I, I mean, uh, I could be more generous with what, I, what I'm doing. I could be more generous. How I much? Mean, how much more How generous? much more? Yes. Uh, a lot more. Okay. Yeah. Stuff could, to explore there. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. I'd like to put a pause in this now because we're getting to this time now that if we go over, we'll start to lose people. So this is the perfect time to pause and to stop. And whoever would like to stay, we'll have more discussion if you feel like you want to explore more and talk more about it and get more inspired from others and your peers. In a moment, we'll have teachers, uh, trained teachers, senior teachers coming and sitting like we did last time with you at the tables, at some of the tables. Uh, Michael Oche is here. David is here actually tonight too. Um, I'll be here and we have two other, one more or two more teachers joining as well. Uh, thank you very much. See you next time. <laughs>